Welcome to Redemption from Addiction podcast. This podcast is a Christian ministry aimed at helping people overcome their addiction by sharing personal testimonies about their journey. The testimonies shared have a common theme, and that is how Jesus Christ touched their lives and walked them through the entire process and is still walking with them today. I hope that you will be touched by these stories and you'll take the next step and invite Jesus into your life and let him redeem you from the strongholds of addiction. Episode number eight. Uh, my guest this evening is um, someone I just met. His name is Joe. Um, I'll let Joe introduce himself, but we've um, we just kind of briefly been going over his story, his testimony, um, the Cliff Note version, should I say? Um, and we're gonna you know kind of go in order like we normally do. Um, he's got a powerful testimony. Um, where he's he's recovered from from addiction and a and a, a past and yeah we prayed that the Lord would just just come into this conversation and we're already knowing and expecting that that He's going to go before us and and speak to the hearts of, of anybody out there just listening that is is going through the same struggle either either in, in inside of their addiction or they're um, they're wanting to get help and we want to touch all those people so. Again, welcome, Joe. Um, thanks for Thank coming and, and sharing your story. So introduce yourself and then kind of go into the beginning of the, the era of Joe. Okay. My name is uh, Joe Young, and I currently live in in Charleston, West Virginia, which is capital city. Um, you know, uh, as some may know or may not know, uh, you know, Huntington is um, is ground zero and, uh, you know, I know two years ago, Charleston at one time, Charleston, West Virginia was 19th in crime rate um, in the United States, which is is crazy for such a small town. Uh, uh, we see we see a lot of uh, struggles. Uh, we see a lot of deliverance, um, you know, the, a lot of street walkers um, and, uh, you know, I now work in addiction recovery ministry Um but at the age of, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Um, I was born in Muskegon, Michigan, and I was raised in Michigan until I was eight years old. Um, you know, I had a phenomenal father, a uh, basketball coach, um, a teacher, a uh, man of God. And my mother was a woman of God as well. Um, and so I was raised in a Christian household. Um, I received Christ at the age of four years old 
you know, your basic go to the altar. Um, and I was raised around it, but, um, you know, my encounter with the Holy Spirit didn't, didn't happen until, um, about five and a half years ago. Uh, I would say actually five years ago, I would say about six months into my recovery. So talking about when you, when you accepted the Lord, when you received your salvation at the age of four, Joe, can you recall any of that experience, what it was like, how you were influenced to make that decision? Well, I, I kind of, just to be honest, I feel like it was the thing to do because I was raised in it. Sure. You, know? um, you wanted to be a part of something? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And I, and I watched my dad and I watched my dad in prayer. And, and uh, you know, I, I honestly, I don't remember a whole lot of my childhood, though. Um, you know, uh, up to the age um, of 11 years old. And I think I think some of the chemo, uh, I was diagnosed at 11 years old with uh, key, uh, T-cell leukemia um, and, you know, having spinal injected chemotherapy, I, I think it really struck, like I struggled for years with my memory. Um, I struggled for years, uh, you know, learned, you know, I was uh, diagnosed with ADD, learning disabilities, um, you know, uh, you know, they try to diagnose me with bipolar and manic depressive and, you know, they would, they would, I was, I was pushed medication on to, um, mm-hmm. going through this stuff, you know, um, so what, what, what kind of cancer is, is that you said it's T, T cell, T cell leukemia. So explain that a little bit for, for the audience who may not know. What um, it is, uh, it's, it's cancer of the blood. Okay. Um, and my white cells were, when I was diagnosed, my white cells were 144,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the next morning, they were 100. They grew 33,000 overnight. Um, and what is a normal range? Um, I honestly don't know. Yeah, it was just your white cell count was just way Ridiculously too high. Ridiculously high. Yeah. Okay. And was that a painful uh, experience? Was that a painful It was scary. Disease? It was okay. scary. Now, um, now, the going through chemo. And all of that, I had, um, you know, I threw up 72 days straight. It wore a hole in my esophagus. I'd have reconstructive surgery on my stomach. Um, I had 44 spinal tabs in that, uh, I would say, about a year and 10-month span. Um, You know, so I was given pain medication. I had port-a-cath surgery. Uh, I had Broviac surgery. My Broviac started to pull out. Uh, the main artery to my heart because I wanted to be active and be around kids that were playing sports and stuff. Um, You know, I ended up uh, losing all my hair and I was uh, bald and overweight and uh, my, 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 my face was puffed up. You know, I looked like Alvin and the chipmunks, you know, Um, and, and my face was swelled up from all the prednisone that I was on the steroids. And uh, um, you know, I I remember, like walking down the hallways and kids pointing at me the way I looked. Um, so something that caused a deep root was insecurity in my life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from going through that. And and I, I think I had some anger towards God, like, God, why me? Why do I got to go through this stuff? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, where, during this time of your life, where did you see, you know, what, what was your relationship with, with the Lord like, you know, can you can you kind of take me through well, that? I went to a Christian school. Okay. Um, and you know we were around. You know we were made to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. You know, and um, and, you know I remember I would go up to the altar all the time. You know, uh, I remember, you know, uh, even praying at night. But it was always like, Lord, forgive me for my sins. You know, mm-hmm. um, I didn't understand the goodness of God. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand. Uh, I understood religion, and I didn't understand uh, spirit connection and relationship. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, once I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, things started to click for me. Uh, I started understanding what I was reading out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there was a, I would say a psychic change that happened. You know, uh, I had eyes to see and ears to hear. You know, as the scriptures say. You know, uh, you know, you see, you see Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, as he, as the scales fell from his eyes. You mm-hmm. know, he had different sight, right? Um, and I, I feel like I can relate to that a lot. You know, there was a demasking experience that happened in my own personal life as well. You know. Um, but I didn't understand that growing up. I was around it all the time. Um, I didn't understand spiritual gifts. I didn't understand, I didn't understand Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know? So kind of going off track a little bit to what extent was your understanding of God, you know, through, through the lens of being at this, this age and going through the cancer and the treatments you know, who, who was God to you in this moment without knowing the the aspect of the Holy Spirit? I mean, and in parallel to that, what was like, what was the church's belief in and how they were influencing you in that level? Well, I mean, you know, we would go to Bible studies, we would go to Sunday school and all that stuff, but it was very surface stuff for me. Yeah. You know, now there, I was surrounded by a lot of men of God. Yeah. Looking back now, I was surrounded by a lot of men of God, but but I, I couldn't understand where they were to a full to a full extent. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think what and maybe I'm speaking and asking this question from my own point of view. I grew up in a Southern Free Will Baptist denomination where every the, the church service and the Sunday school was very structured and it was the same every every mm-hmm. week. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but mm-hmm. it's like you explained. It kind of give you this. Um, you understood. You understood this surface level. Should I say level one, maybe level two experience of all all the things that that God's word has promised us. You mm-hmm. know, and I'm like you in that regard, where I I didn't number one, I wasn't I didn't have exposure to higher levels of of spirituality and and the spiritual warfare that was going on and and the Holy Spirit and the, and the gifts and everything like that until I got older. And, you know, I started seeing these things happen and, you know, church that I started attending after I got married, you know, my, my wife had, you know, could speak in tongues and would get and could pray in tongues too. And I can tell you now, that scared me because I didn't understand it. <laughs> Did it freak you out? Yeah. And, and while I'm on that topic, I've never <laughs> said this before, but I think it's important. I, I remember when... You know, we we would go to church together, and and the churches that we were, we were attending were very open to those things, and it was a new experience for me. <laughs> but something kind of funny, the first time that I ever heard, or, you know, um, have a word in tongues for the for the the body, <laughs> I was, I mean, I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and because I didn't understand it, and it's it scared me. From that point on until I started understanding at a deeper level what it was, and um, I took it upon myself to to understand, and I, I would get information from her for a, a period of time there. 
I, I would kind of be, we go to church together, I'd, I'd be like, man, I hope she don't do that today, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't say that I was really embarrassed, but what I really noticed was when that would happen, it would just change the dynamics of that service. Like, it would get, it would get wicked, mm-hmm. crazy, you know, like, not wicked, I should say, it would just get, like, you could sense it in the room. Oh, man. Yeah. I could, I mean, the yeah. atmosphere just got yeah. thick, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it just, that, that just really tuned me in. So going back to my question, like what, what church, you know, experience did you have at that time? Uh, hymnals. Mm-hmm. Um, the red book? Uh, it was, it was a, I think it was a blue. Okay. Um, but it was usually three, sir, or uh, two songs, an offering, another song, a message, and usually an altar call or, you know, yeah. and uh, that was it. And I always look forward to like hanging out with the youth afterwards mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, and I enjoyed that, you know, and I loved going to youth camp growing up. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was a lot of anger, deep seated anger in me, uh, not understanding like why, um, why I went through what I did. Insecurity. I was, I was bound by insecurity for so many years, man. And it went into my adulthood, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, a- after that happened, there was an incident that happened and there were some of the men of God, you know, I, there was people all over the U S praying for me, you know, mm-hmm. th- that were connected in this fellowship of, of, of believers, you know, and there was an experience that happened mm-hmm. that um, I was sitting on the steps and some men of God came over and they prayed over me. And I felt like there was, and this was during me going through treatments. And mm. I felt like there was like cold going through my warm veins, mm. you know? Um, and I never, I, we finished out treatment because that's the wise thing to do, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that was a time that I feel like the Lord touched my body, you know? Uh, there was an incident that happened. Um, and, you know, that I, that I know somebody came in, I had a 104.7 temperature wow. and uh, somebody came in with the flu and I was, uh, I was so sick. I remember looking at my mom and being like, am I going to die tonight? And I remember seeing a white light. Um, and, you know, some of this stuff may sound crazy to some, but I, I believe the Lord was trying to encounter me. And I didn't understand really what was fully going on at that time, you know. And and I'd always been told, like, I had a call on my life at a very young age, you know. Um, and, and I think the Lord has always had something for me to do, um, but the enemy has not wanted me to get there, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm sure many can relate to that on a lot of scales, yeah. you know. Uh, things, you know, and you were mentioning Job, you know, um, my goodness, you know, he never cursed God, regardless what he went through, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my dad, being the man of God, he is, you know, uh, he's like, Joe, do you want to get your body back? And so I started running with my dad and I started playing basketball and I fell in love with basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so through going through physical therapy and stuff, my legs were very weak at one point, and I started riding my bike and running and getting athletic and started shooting hoops and, um, you know, getting my body back in shape, you know, fell in love with basketball. 
So by the age of 16 years old, uh, I broke our school record in three-pointers, uh, 66 wow. three-pointers uh, my junior year in high school. Um, and, you know, I was playing at the YMCA uh, with some of the better players around the area. And um, uh, we're going into my senior year. And I passed around this guy's body. I caught a steal, went full speed, and I was passed around this guy's body. And I snapped my ACL mm. and reintroduced to pain medication. I'd been on Adderall for ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, brokenhearted, you know, uh, I didn't really know how to deal with life after losing basketball. Mm-hmm. You know? um, my family fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my the situation that happened, my family fell apart. Okay. And um and it crushed me. I didn't know how to deal with any of this stuff, you know. And looking back, I feel like the Lord was was trying to get me to understand to just rely on him, mm-hmm. you know. Uh and re, you know, reflecting back and look looking, it's like the Lord was trying to get me to rely on him, you know. I was surrounded by quality people, mm-hmm. you know. Um but I didn't understand a spirit life. I understood religion mm-hmm. um, because it, I was surrounded by it, you know. So um, I started becoming wild, mm-hmm. and uh, so you're when you broke your um, you broke or you tore your ACL. I tore my ACL. Okay. Yep. Um, what 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 kind of treatment did they put you on? Um, obviously, I. You know, uh, I had to have surgery, uh-huh. reintroduced to uh, pain medication, um, uh, physical therapy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I ended up kicked out of the Christian school I was at and then kicked out of the other, the public school mm-hmm. that I went to. Um, just and, because you were just engaging in, in mischief? And, yes, and, yeah. They, they weren't putting up with it. Yeah. Um, skipping school, going to smoke weed and... Um, so by the age of 17, I'd been arrested for the first time. Um, arrested you know, for possession or? Uh, public intox. Okay. Um, and that was in Capital City in Charleston, uh, West Virginia. Um, smoke crack for the first time, snorting cocaine, uh-huh. you know, experimenting in different drugs, you know, um, a lot of pain pills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, weed became an everyday, you know, um, thing. And, uh, you know, the guys I ran with, you know, we were all over the town. You know, mm-hmm. We were known by the cops right away. Um, so um, I just, I started experimenting more and more drugs, moved in with my cousin, um, which, you know, to me at the time, I thought, well, this is a great decision. You know, I can do what I want to do, yeah. you know, um, and, and my you know, my dad really tried to speak into my life, but my defiance was way, uh, you know, way too strong to, I was not listening to what my dad had to say at all. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so I had my son at, at uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son's mom was 18 at the time. Um, and I was, I believe I was living back with my mom. Okay for a time period and we got an apartment uh, and traffic was in and out all the time. 
Um, I had started selling cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my buddies that I ran with, we were all involved in that. You know, um, I was more of the fiend guy. I was not the supplier. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they'd, they'd hide in my insulation and, um, you know, they would... Uh, you know, they would hide it in my apartment some if they needed to. And um, um, it, it became a really bad situation. Um, I was at a methadone clinic at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was on 80 milligrams of methadone. Um, and I'd be doing coke on top of that, smoking weed on top of that. Wow. And uh, um, very dark time. Yeah. Very dark time for me. So what what got you um, with the methadone? I mean, I- just uh, that was just another avenue to 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 get a it was high. a cheaper way you know government you know cheaper way to uh cheaper way to get my fix every day yeah and methadone just blasts you man you know yeah and uh, i tried that one time and it made it, it made me sick uh, I'm, I'm glad it did <laughs> but I, I had i had one experience with it and i'm glad i Methadone gets in your bones, and you become so addicted. Um, I have buddies back home right now that have been on it for, I mean, that I went to the clinic with then, and they're still on it. I was 23, and I'm 38 right now, so 15 years. Mm. And they're still on What is the difference between that and Suboxone, or is there? Yeah, there's a a difference. Um, you know, uh, Suboxone is the strip that you put under the tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I believe it has naloxone in it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, so, you know, you can't really use other other drugs on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, methadone, I'll be honest with you, methadone is one of the strongest things that I'd ever really been hooked on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, it was the hardest withdrawal I've ever done as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But I, 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 you know, d- my mom put a mental hygiene warrant on me and I, I, I signed it because life was getting to a point. It was like uh, my son's mom had left me um, and, you know, I, I really I didn't know where to go. So it was like I'm really hooked on this stuff. What was like your it, relationship with your son then? Um, she, she she left you. What she went she went and lived with her mom and took took my son with me and. um which, it, you know, look, I was furious at the time and I was hurt, but you know, Joe wasn't getting his way and he didn't need to have his way. Right. You know, now that I know what I know and being in recovery and and all of that. And, um, you know, uh, the, the Lord, the Lord's protected my son. You mm-hmm. know, now my son, uh, my son's 18 now. Um, yeah, he's been through uh, Mountaineer Challenge Academy, which is you know, a, a decision that he made for himself and mm-hmm. he's got his diploma early. Um, this was two years ago. He's worked a job for two years. Uh, he's making $14 an hour now. He's, he's kept a job. He's renting a house. He has his own car. Mm-hmm. So he's, uh, I'm real proud of him. He's, you know, out of his mother's dysfunction and my dysfunction, both. Um, I think he's, he's starting to become the man you know, that, it, that he needs to be. And um, so I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of the Lord answer prayers in his life. You know, I've been a very in and out dad um, and I've had to take responsibility for that, Yeah. Um, which, which was really hard in recovery for me. Um, but 
uh, I had to stop making excuses and own, you know, take ownership in, you know, the hurt that I've caused my own son. Yeah. Um, and something they did in recovery, they gave me a letter, you know, self-centeredness is our greatest problem. You know, I, I think a lot of people, uh, I think society as a whole, self-centeredness is mm-hmm. some of our greatest problem, you know, and um, they made me write a letter to my son about what I've put him through. And they made me write a letter from my son in that I had to write to, to look at his perspective. Yeah. And I bawled crying, man. Like I had to really take a look at what I had put him through, mm-hmm. you know? So you basically had to, to put yourself in his position and write a letter to yourself from him based on that, yeah. that perspective. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Never heard of that. It, it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. But, you know, these are sometimes, these are things that we do for guys in recovery, you know, in, in treatment is like, you know, we, we have them write the hard things or, um, you know, uh, last week before I left, um, uh, I called out insecurity in a guy. I'm like, man, I see it in you. And he was like, man, nobody said that to me since I've been here. I said, do you see it in yourself? And he's like, it's been one of my greatest problems. Mm-hmm. And we got a saying, spot it, you got it, right? Yeah. That was one of my issues big time. And so I saw it in him, and I'm like, I mean, you don't have to hold on to this forever, man. You know, God created you exactly who you were meant to be, you know. And uh, he was having some problems with uh, his ex-wife and taking ownership and some stuff. I'm like, man, write her an apology letter. Mm-hmm. You don't have to give it to her. Write her an apology letter. And these are what we call help, you know, yeah. but it's done out of love, you know, and these, these help, you know, open the guy's perspective to, um, to truth with love, yeah. you know, and we pray with them over this stuff, you know, help mm-hmm. guide them in that avenue, you know. So let's, um, let's, let's go kind of back to, sorry, um, I'm getting off. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> fine. I love it. Uh, let, let's go to, you know, you're, you're going through this period in your life. You're, now your your son has been taken away. You're uh, you're going through this period, and I want to capture this because um, you know the the biggest thing is that with this ministry is we want to connect with people, and you know you share your experience doesn't mean that somebody else will have a similar experience. But what brought you to that rock bottom point where you where you had you know the encounter of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Yeah, kind of take me through that in detail. Um, well, so coming out of methadone, they they had they put me in a Huntington State Hospital, mm-hmm. and I went through my first serious withdrawal. Um, I was seasoned coming off methadone, and um, I was hallucinating. Like I saw spiders crawling all over me, and, wow. and I came cold turkey off the methadone, and. Uh, I got on my knees and prayed for the first time in many years, man. And, mm-hmm. I, and I be, I'm a firm believer that the Lord works through process. And He's constantly bringing us to a place of a breaking point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say that I reached a breaking point, mm-hmm. but I did the breaking point of self. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, so the self had not come to an end yet, but there was a point where I got on my knees and prayed mm-hmm. and, uh, 
And I started seeing some signs happen, man. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I feel like the Lord started to get my attention, you know. So uh, make a long story short, I got out, um, and the DEA ended up showing up at my door um, because of the activity that was going on. Um, blessing from God, there was nothing in my apartment. Uh, they had nothing on me. There was no, like, wire buys or anything like that, you mm-hmm. know, but they just they knew there was activity, and I think, my name was probably dropped, um, and it freaked me out. You yeah, know? I didn't want to go to prison, um, so um, moved in with my dad, and I got a hold of a youth pastor that lived in Greenville, South Carolina. Wow. Okay. And uh, I said, Buster, you know, Buster Miles, he's he's passed now, um, but he was here with a ministry with a uh, pastor Thomas Young. And um, I was like, Buster, I don't know what to do with my life. He's like, son, come on, come to Greenville. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, what do I got to lose at this point? You know, I had no GED, no high school diploma. You know, I was 20, 22, 23 years old. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's when I met Aaron. When I came down here okay. and, um, you know, we, we got in the gyms. I got my first, you know, I guess you could say semi-professional job. I had to pass a P test to yeah. get a job, you know. Yeah, um, I know Aaron was, he's big into basketball. Y'all, mm-hmm. you know, y'all, well, I guess y'all shared a like interest in that regard. Yeah, we, we played ball some, but we were we were pushing the iron together, yeah. you know. And uh, I fell in love with weight training, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and I. You know, these guys taught me how to diet and watch what I eat and him and, uh, you know, another guy down here. And um, so, you know, we were close and there was a guy at the church that I was going to as a power lifter, you know, big, big Scott. And, um, you know, I fell in love with with training, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, very addictive personality. It, it, I became semi obsessive over it, you mm-hmm. know, but I got my GED, you know, uh Tried college. College was not for me. I didn't do well at all. Um, and, you know, I'm back in the church, mm-hmm. right? And I'm hearing great terminology, and I'm learning to speak the language. Um, and I'm going through the motions, but I, I, I don't really think that the heart was in it as much as what it should be, you yeah. know? Um, but Pastor Thomas at the time told me, he said, Joe, if you can get quiet enough to hear from the Holy Spirit, it'll save your life. Mm. You know? And he said, Joe, you can hear from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, and that is what happened years later. So I, I won't go in and out of all the madness. Um, I left for West Virginia. I had another knee surgery down here, reintroduced to pain medication. You know, I may have drank and smoked weed the first time I ran down, you know, came down here um, once or twice. Um, mm-hmm. But I let go of the pain medication. Uh, and then when I had my knee surgery and picked back up, it spiraled me out of control. Um, mm-hmm. Moved back to West Virginia, back to the pill mills. I'm taking trips to Florida. Uh, for Xanax and, and Roxy's and um, introduced to Opana's. A lot of flip-flopping. I wanted to get clean because down in Greenville was the only time I'd ever done pretty decent, you know. And um, I flip-flop. I even moved back to Greenville one at one point. I ended up right back. Um, and so about 2013, 
uh, I picked up the needle mm. and um, I started shooting heroin. Uh, relationships were a big issue for me in and out of relationships. I never knew how to deal with emotional hurt. I never knew. Uh, the only way I knew how to deal was drown it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being a part of church down here and being a part of, you know, being in the ministry down here, um, you know, I always wanted to be back where I was at this point down here, you mm-hmm. know, uh, being around Aaron and, you know, uh, you know, in the gyms and at church down here, I'm like, man, this is the best I've ever done in my life, you know. And I would always think about the time down here, you know. And um, so this I, was your point of reference of what you defined as good. Yeah. A point to. Yeah. That this is this is the, you know, I'm trying to achieve this in a re- reoccurring pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And so what did you say, Aaron, is like 2007 we, we linked up? Yeah. So let's say it was about 2013, 2014, I picked up the needle, and I was on the west side of Charleston. And, um, in, and in Charleston, uh, that part of the country, you know, the, the drug uh, it's addiction, all bad. addiction epidemic is real. It's, it's bad everywhere, but it's, it's, I hear it's really, really bad there. Yeah, Huntington is over overdose capital city of the U.S., wow. um, and Charleston's not much, you know, it's not good either. You know, there's a lot of street walkers, people, you know, are the, the term is geeked plumb out is what we say. They're just yeah. geeked plumb out, you know. And we were talking before we started recording about the uh, coal miners and, you know, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of people that are struggling in, in that area. They call it, hill, with the oxys, it was called hillbilly heroin uh-huh. with, uh, with the oxycotton epidemic down there. So these, the, the what you were saying, the, the coal miners are getting injured in the, you know, on the job and and starting they, addictions were starting from that point, and then they're transitioning into heroin. Mm-hmm. And they, it was a way for them to continue to keep going. They yeah. get injured, take time off, get re recouped. They're hooked on pills. They're still getting pills from the doctor, you know, uh, and it's just a bad cycle. Yeah, you know, and then. When the Oxy 80s left, Roxy's came in. Roxy started to dwindle out some. Opana's came in, which is an oxymorphone, which is oxycontin and morphine, mm-hmm. you know, um, very strong, you know. Um, and when those started to wean out, the heroin flooded in. Now it's Suboxone and methamphetamines that are very bad right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mixing uppers and downers. Oh, it's... Yeah, you're, you're countering one... You know, to drown out the effects of the other, just to keep you. And people conscious. are out. People are out of their mind. Yeah. You know, they're coming in with complete delusion. Um, you know, uh, really, it's you can see schizophrenic um, tendencies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes they'll be good. Other times, their minds will be, you know, completely out there, and they'll be talking about crazy stuff. You yeah. know. Um, and it's it's really sad, yeah. you know. It's it's, it's like spiritual warfare on, yes. on steroids. I posted on um, I got a my Facebook page for for the podcast, and I've been trying to keep some content, some things up there for the past couple of weeks. And I posted something yet yeah, uh, Wednesday, and it it got a uh, just a lot of response from. It said um, the reason the addicts are the closest to God is because they've met the devil. Mm-hmm. And addicts can relate to that. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah. and that, and that's really, really, it, it just, I mean, that hits different. Well, we, I mean, we talked about it earlier, the, um, the pharmaceutical, pharmacia, the spirit of pharmacia is derived from pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. right? Which means, it means witchcraft, you know? And so think about that. Like that is what, you know, that's what we've put in our bodies. You know, we are, we are, we're playing with the demonic, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and even, you know, you look at alcohol, alcohol is called spirits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and, and people don't look at stuff from the spiritual side of things, yeah. you know? Um, so. The enemy has done such a, I mean, he's done a masterful job at, um, justifying everything and glazing over everything like everybody does it. It's, it's, I mean, it says that because it's just the name they gave it or whatever, but it yeah, and keeps then, people from really understanding what the truth is. And then people start going through real life issues that they don't know how to deal with mm-hmm. and it becomes a mask, you know? Um, and then we got to go through a demasking process, you know? Um, and through our demasking process, you know, I look, think of the story of Saul, you know, as he's headed down to the road to the demasking road, mm-hmm. Damascus, uh, he encounters Jesus, you know, who he's persecuted, who he's run from, mm-hmm. you know, and, and life changes, but it takes, uh, you know, and Ananias prays for, you know, the scales to come off his eyes, you know, as he was directed by, by the father, you know, and, and when the scales come off our eyes, we start seeing, you know, we, you know, we start seeing spiritually, you know, and it's so important for that encounter to happen and for us to be willing to receive, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's when the true healing process comes in and he can start shaping us from the inside out, you know? Yeah. Um, But without willing to receive, you know, we keep blockers on, uh, as we keep the blockers up, we stay blinded, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And the Lord, you know, if we really look at our past, the Lord's probably tried to open up our eyes many, many times, mm-hmm. but we haven't been willing to receive. That's know? right. So um, kind of take me through, you know, your recovery process. Now you, you've gone through this cycle again. This is like, like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. 20, 2013, um, I remember walking through the transit mall and I saw this guy that um, I played ball against in high school. Uh, and then I worked at this place with him over on the west side of Charleston. And um, I saw him praying with people. I saw this big, tall dude tattooed up from head to toe praying with these guys on the streets. And I just sat back and watched in the cut. I didn't want him to see me. I didn't want him to recognize me. I was ashamed of the way I looked. I was ashamed, um, you know, uh, but, but he saw me and he was like, you know, he kind of looked down and he was like, is he was like, Joe, you know, I said, Hey man, you know? And he said, uh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. You know, walls up. I don't want to talk to him, you know? And so he's like, can I pray with you, man? And he just said a simple prayer and I went back and, you know, did what I did, you know, put a needle on my arm and, and, uh, I remember crying out to God 
you know, thinking back of where I was and when I was in Greenville and I was like, God, this is not the way my life is supposed to be, Mm. you know? And I just cried out and I think he was waiting on the desperation. He was waiting. He was waiting on me to come to the end of myself, you Mm. know? Um, And I started searching you know, and I'd done at this point, I'd done two 28 day programs and I tried the Suboxone clinic. I've been to the methadone clinic, you know, um, and I was like, I need in my mind, I thought I needed a military boot camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I needed. Yeah. I needed, I need more discipline. Yeah. You know, I need more structure. So I got into a place called recovery point of, of Huntington and, uh, it was behavior modification mm-hmm. and it worked at first, but for me, it wasn't going to keep me clean. And I knew it. And I remember looking at the 12 steps and it said, God, all through it. And in my mind, it was like, God, you're bringing me right back to you. And I knew it. Mm-hmm. And so I started opening up my Bible again and I was made fun of people were like, you can't hide behind Jesus. And, you know, I started seeking again. My my heart, I was seeking, you know, and I was hungry. And uh and and I didn't really know what I was hungry for, you know, but I was in search. And um um I remember waking up and I'd start getting in these uh moments of prayer, you know, and and uh and then I read Romans, you know, and that's the only thing I I couldn't retain any of it at first. You know, I could have barely but barely retain anything I read coming coming off the heroin, um, and I was di- dibbling and dabbling in meth some. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my mind was so foggy, you know. So it, it took a while for my brain to start healing, you know. And I started hearing these words like process, and and I started understanding that God works through processes, you know. If if you were given everything right now. We would probably ruin it, right? And mm-hmm. and so we went up and we went to this other program and, and and I heard this man speak and I could sense this presence coming off of him, you know, and I had heard all the terms, you know, um, the leadership of the Holy Spirit and I'd heard all these terms, but I knew what I was, what I was sensing was the Holy Spirit and I knew I needed to get around this guy and I'm like... I don't know. I don't know what I got to do, but I got to get around that guy. That guy's got something I want, you know? And so, so I end up leaving the program. I felt my heart drawn saying it's time. And so all my dudes that were there at the recovery program that I was in were like, dude, don't leave. It's not a good idea. Um, But I went by faith Mm -hmm. and I got into this other program and I got around that same guy that I sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was weeping, crying as he was speaking, you know. Wow. And I knew what I was sensing was the presence of God. And I'm like, that is attractive to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, so he becomes my mentor. And I got a sponsor, started working the steps. I had a mentor. I'm going to a church here where I can actually receive off the pastor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so not only did he become my mentor, but uh, um, Pastor Paul started feeding into me also. So I have three men. I'm getting surrounded, you know. And to me, mentorship 
was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I was taught how to study the Bible. I didn't know how to study the Bible. I didn't know to start in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand that Jesus is perfect theology. You know, yeah. um, I'd always started from the front and looked at God as a as a wrathful God. You know, but when I got in the Gospels, it changed my life. I started to see that the love of Jesus. You know, once we encounter the love of Jesus, it's life changing. You know. And then I started sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit on my own, mm-hmm. and it changed my life. You know, I started being able to connect and tap into the Spirit of God living inside of me, man. Mm-hmm. And so, so I went through that program for a while. I had to work the tough jobs at first, uh, jobs I did not want to work, uh, but it was good for me because it was grinding. Routine. Uh, it was grinding things out of me that needed to go, yeah. you know, um, self was coming to the end, you know, and I started seeing people that were helping other people, man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's cool. I want to do that. I want to yeah. help people, man. And so I'm working at the stamp, this stamping plant, which is like, they bring metal parts down the racks. And I'm like, I'm like, God, this is not purpose. You know, this yeah, is yeah. terrible. Um, but it had its season cause it was good for me. It was a process. It was a process. Yes, sir. Um, and the Lord put me at the same station as this other guy from a church that I know of. And, uh, his name was Stuart Bowling. And, um, so Stu's like, Hey man, you want to do a coat drive on the streets with me? You know, I'm like, yeah, dude, let's, 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 let's go. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm at the sober living house and, um, Stu connects with me and we're like, you know, I put on Facebook, like, let's do a coat drive for the, for the streets of Charleston. And, uh, you know, we, we found all the, all the areas where people may need help. And, you know, these are the, some of the same areas that I was walking through all the time, you know, when I was on the streets and, um, so we, uh, we try to start rounding up coats and we got a couple bags and I start praying. I'm like, Lord, this is crazy. It's two days before there's no coats. And I'm like, God, show me something. And I'm talking boom, 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 boom. Phone blowing up. We're, we're packing car loads. We have literally a living, this living room full. I'd say from this couch to this couch and the walls just piled up about this high full of coats and we pack up foods and bottles of water, man. And I'd never sensed purpose like that ever. Mm-hmm. I was like, God, this is what I want to do with my life. This is amazing. You know, um, this is what I'm called to. So we're praying with people on the streets and, um, you know, uh, I, I'm having visions of myself on, on the streets walking. Uh, you know, I was 165 pounds when I went in, uh, went into treatment. And I started having these visions like, you know, God, am I able to stay clean in the same area that I've used, you know? And um, so make a long story short, um, I got a job on the helplines, started helping people on the helplines at a place called Help for West Virginia. Um, And my boss saw character in me. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw me consistent. He saw me helping people on the side, you know, so I was running, I was helping run the, uh, sober living home. Um, I started working on the phone lines for night shift. 
and he's seeing me, you know, even take people into detox too. And he's just watching me. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, I'd like you to be our main coach with Help for West Virginia in the Charleston area. So stayed at Help for West Virginia for about three years. And uh, I, I felt the unction that it's time to go, you know. And um, so I, I stepped out and I came to where I'm at now, which is uh, the Anchor Project and Tenant Ministries. Um, and the Lord showed off in my life again. You know, I've um, now I'm in. Uh, ordained as a minister and uh, director of the program. And, you know, we've seen miracles. I've seen people healed. I mean, we, we had a guy came in. He didn't believe in God at all. This was a few months back. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's about six months clean now. Didn't believe in God at all, man. And um, he would he would kind of debate with me some, mm-hmm. you know, which I let him have it. You know, he's got questions. We're going we're gonna to go there, you know. I'm just going to love on him, though. Yeah. yeah. Love covers a multitude of sin, right? That's right. And so when he came in, he had blood clots in his lungs, he had neuropathy in his legs. He had um he had craved every other program that he came to. Okay. And he would look at me and be like, I don't understand this. I've never craved at any other program or I've craved at every other program I've been to. And then he said, uh he said, I don't have any trouble with the neuropathy in my feet, you know. Um, and then and then a week before he left, he had gone to the doctor's office, and he was completely cleared. The Lord. Wow. And so he didn't believe in God. And I said, I said, if you don't believe in God, and this is a point I will make, if you struggle with your belief system with God, ask him to reveal himself to you. And that's what I told him. I said, ask God to reveal himself to you in a mighty way. And we're going to pray right now. And we prayed. And uh, and so when he came back in from the doctor's office, he was like, I'm completely clear in my lungs of all blood clots. And I said, what do you think? <laughs> he said, uh, he said, I cannot logically explain this. You know, um, and we've seen we've seen numerous miracles. But, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, we were, as we were kind of discussing before before we got on. Um, matter of fact, it's funny you you talk about process, um, and I agree with you that that God is a God of process because our our life is a journey, just Him Him drawing us closer and closer to Him. Because we, we I say a lot of times, man, you know we we've got we've got a human brain. And we're trying to understand a God who is, who's from beginning, but it, that has no end. That's mm-hmm. infinite. I mean, <laughs> we, you can't wrap your mind uh, around that. No, sir. And, no. Um, and the Bible tells us, and, and there was something I showed Aaron last night, and it's hard for me without having something to draw on, but there is a direct correlation to the Passover that took place, the initial Passover that took place in the Old Testament when God delivered or used Moses to deliver the Hebrew slaves from from the Egyptian Pharaoh. In that Passover, they put blood on the doorpost. Mm -hmm. Well, when they put the blood on the doorpost for the Passover, so the firstborn wouldn't be be killed in the plague, they put blood on, on both sides of the doorpost and at the top. Well, when they put the, the blood on the door closed, by the way, it was a, it was lamb's blood. 
Jesus Christ is the Passover mm-hmm. lamb. <laughs> the blood would also drip down at the bottom on, on the ground. And I'm trying to draw a picture of this with, you know, with using description with my words. But if you, if you look at a doorpost and you have blood on the sides and at the top and at the bottom, put a cross there. Yeah, that's good. And he is a God of process, man. Yeah. And good. the Passover was, let's just call it a dress rehearsal for the covenant that he was going to make with, with us. And it, I'll, you know, going even a step further, after the Passover, what happened three days later? Pharaoh freed the slaves from Egypt. Well, on the third day, Christ rose from mm, the dead. Hallelujah. Yes. I mean, take it one more step. <laughs> 50 days later was Pentecost. Pentecost when the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. fell on yes, in the upper room. Mm-hmm. 50 days later is when God established a covenant with Moses with the commandments. Wow. So... He is a God of process. That's awesome, man. When we when we look at the Bible, there's I mean, there's treasures like that all all throughout. When Jesus was crucified, it happened during the Passover. He was a Passover lamb, the blood sacrifice, the third day, Pentecost. It was a process. And the same covenant that he gave Moses, he took the same process when he gave up his son for us. Mm. And I, I, I'm a, I believe that as we see Revelation play out right in front of our eyes mm-hmm. with the world that we live in and yeah. the spiritual battle that's going on, I think the, the return of Christ is going to happen in the same process. Yeah. I do. I believe that what we call time in the calendar that we, that we look at, mm-hmm. It's not. It's not the same calendar that God looks at. And there's there's several Jewish holidays that are really significant that I pay really close attention to. And there's the there's Passover, there's Hanukkah, there's the Feast of Tabernacles, there's the Feast of Trumpets. And I I believe that um, in the same way that process and that covenant was established. What we don't know is going to happen yet is going to happen in the same process in the same manner. For for some, that may be a scary proposition, but for me, it's something to rejoice in and, and mm-hmm. just you know always be aware of and, and keep my eyes on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a day that that, that I, I really look forward to. But you know, all that to say, man, you know, it, it is it is a process and your recovery. Um, and it's a process of our salvation and, yes, sir. And, and who he is and what he's done. The next thing I'll also say, and this is something the Holy Spirit's really been, been on me about the last few days. Have you ever wondered or thought to yourself before Christ, before the, before he came and, and, and told us that I'm the way I'm the truth, I'm the mm-hmm. life and nobody comes through the father, but through me. Mm-hmm. What what about all those what about all those people in the Old Testament? How did they receive their salvation? I guess it was works. No, no. And this and it's as simple. It when I tell you what, what the answer is, is is it'll blow your mind away how simple it is. Okay. In the Old Testament, God's promise we we receive our salvation by faith. Their salvation was received by the 
by faith in God of, of what he promised them he would do, we receive our salvation because of what he's already done. So they weren't counted out. No. <laughs> hey, he gave them a promise <laughs> from from the beginning. Yeah, when he established that that covenant with us, that he would give us a savior. And if you really think about it even deeper, what kind of faith do you think that they had to have? I mean, we're believe we're believing in something that he's already done for us. Mm-hmm. Just think about. We're so fortunate to have that. They they couldn't wait for the Messiah to come. Right. They couldn't wait, you know. So it was constant prophetic. Like, you know, uh, you see it all through Isaiah, and, and yeah. they couldn't wait for that. They were longing for the Messiah to come, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they're not counted out. No. I mean, they, they, they rested on the promises of what he told them he would do. Amen, man. And, and he spoke... He spoke that and gave him that promise through the prophets. Um, and there's just so many things that I'm in this area of just exploring that it's just been, it's, I don't know how to, else to explain it. It's just been glorious, man. It's just. There's it's so awesome. much untapped in the word of God, man. <laughs> man. I mean, I can, I can read scripture that I, I, I know I've read, I don't know, 10 times and I'll go back and, and I'll find something that. Isn't that the really journey just, so exciting? It is, man. It's it is. so worth it, man. It is. It's so worth it. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he chose me. He he drew my heart, man. He drew our hearts. Yeah. He chose us. Yeah. And and I I'm I'm desperate to reach people in in this ministry that have the, that are just stuck in this belief pattern that this world and this in this life and this flesh is is all there is and. It couldn't be further from the truth, you know. We he's he's given us all the purpose, and that and that purpose is to serve him. But it requires us to choose. It requires us to to be to be open to to receiving him. And I, we hear all the time, he's a gentleman. You know, he don't he don't want to go anywhere where he's not invited. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really just simple to to let him in. And when you ask him, when you ask, when you seek him, he will find you. No doubt about mm-hmm. it, and it's and it's something that I I I ask for just a renewness and a and a, a fresh, uh, just a, just a fresh experience with with God every day because I it, that's the that's the high that I chase now. That's the feeling that yeah that I right. want to be just saturated yes, sir. in now. So um, man, I, I appreciate you. I got on, man. real quick. I got just two scriptures. Sure. Um, one passage, two scriptures, and I'm gonna try to remember the whole passage. But um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is um, one of my favorite passages. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And as we were talking about process, First um, Peter 5, 6 through 11, and that is, uh, humble yourself, therefore, into the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time, he will exalt you, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Uh, be sober minded, be watchful, the adversary 
The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Man, so powerful. So good, man. So um, thank you again for coming, and um, I couldn't I couldn't end on a better note. So yes, sir. Appreciate you coming. Thanks for on, having man. me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope it touched you in a special way. I encourage all of you who are listening to ask God to help you overcome the strongholds of your addiction, and I promise you He will answer. And for those of you who are in recovery, I hope that this gives you encouragement to continue to fight through the temptation of having any thought of going back to your previous life. It does get better in the days ahead. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel so you get notified when we post new content. And if you feel so inclined, leave us some feedback. I'm always interested to know how we are helping and understand how we can make this a better experience. Thank you, and God bless you.